Courtside Indiana podcast brought to you by Box Out Sports. Box Out Sports is a leading online graphic solution giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student athletes during a season. You can sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. Courtside Indiana podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well as SoundCloud. You can subscribe via each of those apps and have them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. We would appreciate a rating as well as a review on either of those apps. Welcome to episode 59 of Courts at Indiana Podcast. I'm Jim Reamer. My normal co-host, Zach Tyler, is going to join us later in the episode as we start to talk about the regional games over the weekend. We'll also be joined by uh, or joined with uh, Nick Baumgart of BombHoops.com to talk about his impressions of the games that he got a chance to watch over the weekend. Right now, we're going to go over the recruiting updates from the past week, and we're going to start with the offers. Cademan Bontrager, who is a six foot seven inch junior, now at Elevation Prep, which is a prep school, a new prep school in Fort Wayne. Uh, he had transferred over from Lakewood Park Christian. He received an offer from Goshen. Goshen also extended an offer this week to Cody Samples of South Ripley. Carter Young, have a senior from John Glenn, had committed to Manchester, who had a, who's had a nice win over the weekend over Anderson University. And Javon Small is the uh, committed to East Carolina. He is the uh, point guard from Franklin Central that transferred to a prep school in Arizona for this past school season, and, and he made the commitment to East Carolina. You know, sticking with, or starting with Samples, Samples had a great season for South Ripley. They had one loss this year. They had gotten by Greensburg, which is an albatross for a lot of the teams in that area. And I, and I know that uh, the, the way that year ended, it had to be a little disappointing because he was, um, I mean, he was the leader of that group. And, and they had done some things that other teams in that area hadn't done. South Decatur, who had the same type of season last year, but couldn't get over the Greensburg hump. Uh, South Decatur clipped them uh, or won the sectional last year before things got shut down. And South Decatur, South Ripley were rivals. And Ripley beat them during the regular season. Then they beat Greensburg. You kind of think maybe they're going to roll through a sectional. And then South Decatur nips them in the sectional only to then get beat themselves the next night. So, uh, it's a, you know, Samples is, is definitely a crossroads league kid. And um, he, he's had a great He's had a great senior season, so or a great season, I'm sorry. As for Small, you know, the, the prep school thing didn't really change the trajectory of his, of his recruiting. Um, he had a great summer last year. He definitely, um, definitely proved that he was a mid-major point guard caliber kid, and he even had some high-major high schools sniffing around. And I think the high-majors wanted to see, you know, what direction his shot would go. And, I, you know, without seeing him play, it's hard to say. Um, you know, it's hard to say how it looks now. But uh, East Carolina is, is – conference they're in is in the upper end of, of what you would say is a mid-major conference. Um, but uh, that, that's a good level of basketball for him. He'll have a chance to thrive. And, and who knows, with the way the transfer market's going to work going forward, uh, you know, you may end up seeing a kid like that, you know, continue to develop his game and, and end up transferring up to a high major. I'm not a big fan of that rule, um, but because um, I think it, it makes things too easy for guys to just up and run. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's the, 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 the rule we're going to be living with for a while. And, um, you know, kids like Small go in and, and improve and then get a, you know get an opportunity to play at a, at a little bit of a bigger level. But but congratulations to him. He, he definitely um, took his stock from nowhere. Even his own admission, he you know he didn't have quite the the junior year that he um, as far as like exposure, as far as production. He really amped it up in the spring and summer uh, once we were able to have a summer, um, and he followed through. So he, he got a chance to to get continue to get more offers and then commit to East Carolina. So that's the recruiting update for the week. We're going to come back with uh, Zach Tyler and Nick Baumgart and discuss the regional action over the weekend. Welcome to episode 59. Well, we, we, actually, we've already introduced it. So because we, we've 
recording out of sequence today. So right now we're getting into talking about the regionals. Now with the, the games we saw yesterday, Zach Tyler is back in to join us now. And we're also joined by Nick. Nick, how was your week? It was good, Jim. I had jury duty. You had so. jury duty. Yeah, I got it and I had it and I got it coming up, buddy. Oh, really? So, so it's it's still bleeding into the next week, huh? Yeah, big well, case. Can't, most, can't talk about it. That is the most exciting weekly recap we've had on this podcast through 59 episodes. Usually Definitely. it's just me trying to figure out uh, if if Zach was actually teaching in a classroom or or <laughs> doing doing remote learning. Um, mostly just to figure out a way to start the Jim, start I'm a man the of the, I'm a man of the people. There we go. Well, I've done jury duty before. It was not a murder case, but anyway, Zach, how was your week? Good. Another good week here. Ready to roll today. Yeah. His teaching habits have been our COVID update for the week. Cause like if, if all of a sudden Zach's in the classroom, things were looking up. Yep. Yep. Zach's got more good Grand Canyon gear on. Fresh. He does, man. That's new, man. Look at that. Look at that. Big, fresh. big win last night going to the dance. Fresh. Considering I, considering I know all those, I knew, I've known Schilling longer than I've known any of those guys. I should be getting some gear, man. Yeah, geez. Although I guess I'm a coach, so it would probably be a bad thing. Anyway, regional action. We're gonna we're gonna do a little bit differently this week. We're still gonna obviously talk about games, but we're not gonna be as not gonna do our normal our normal routine. But we are gonna talk about the games we saw in the morning first, and then move into the evening game. Nick, who did you? Uh, what games did you see yesterday? The, the morning session. Yeah, uh, got either stop. stream or stream or live doesn't matter which. Yeah, I watched the uh, Linton Southwestern game at yep. Southridge, and I think Southwestern still the bus might still be on fire. Like they were, uh, they shot seventy five percent from the floor. Did they really thirty two? Like yeah, a, they were. Is that a legit stat, or is that you just no, it's, your it's, assumption, Jim? I don't, I don't. Uh, either way, kind of stats around too wild here. That's that's too wild on a Sunday morning. No, that's that's real. They were thirty two percent three point shooting team. They shot eight of eleven. Wow. So, I like that group of seniors. Um, the Mefford gamers, kid, gamers. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Mefford kid's pretty good. I mean, he's he's going to Indiana Wesleyan, right? No, Bethel. Bethel. He's going to Bethel, so he's still he's a Crossroads League guy. It's, you know that's a good level of basketball. And those guys really three or three of those guys have been starting since they were freshmen. So that's that's a pretty tight tight knit group. Yeah. Uh, any uh, any general impressions besides uh, Southwestern's shooting performance? No, I mean Linton's got some really good young kids. I think How did Hart play? He played well. You know that was the thing both him and, and Lincoln played well. And so you think if, if Lincoln and Joey Hart play well, Linton's not had too many problems when that formula has been, been, you know, right. Invoked, but uh, they just shot so well. I mean, Kramer, I think Kramer, I had him eight for eight inside the, inside the line. Um, you know, so, I mean, he just, he just hit a lot of, uh, a lot of floaters, it was just good around the basket, you know. I mean, like I said, you hit eight out of eleven. I don't. I, I'm not good in math. Uh, I'm gonna say that's eighty six percent or something. I don't know. Eighty five percent. I am. I'm decent in math. Well, we're, uh, gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit about the three point shot when you get to my games, but but keep going, man. You're you're good, doing good. But when you know when you shoot eighty five percent, when you shoot fifty percent above your your regular shooting percentage from three, I mean it. You know, you're going to be there in the end, and Linton had a shot at the end. They did. Uh, Logan Webb had a chance, but it's just one of those situations where the pass was just a little late, kind of kind of bobbled it, gave time. Southwestern got a hand on the shot. So 59-58, they escaped. And, you know, Southridge, like we said, are we going into this? Should I just keep – just finish this off real quick? Because this yeah, is pretty – Are you talking about the, the Paola game or the night game? Yeah, hang on. You can't do that, dog. Come here. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. You know, Paoli was Paoli was 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 fine, but I mean, not in that situation. I mean, you know, Colson Montgomery was was ready to go. Everybody played well for Southridge. It was set up in their gym. We talked about this. This was uh, right. a talking point last time. So it pretty much played out kind of like what we, we thought. Well, but yeah, being home. Certainly never a bad deal. No. Um, how did Bosley do for Paoli? 
He played well. He, he had a couple couple shots from the outside. Um, Pretty vanilla this morning, Nick. What's you all right? Doing all right? Jury duty's <laughs> taking a little steam out of your. It did, man. It did. It took a little. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's I mean, Sunday, it is Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, no, I, I only bought one game on on Saturday. I'm not, you know, I'm not from. Just here, bomb hoops were pretty poor, so we don't have oh, a lot of Lord. we don't have that money floating around. So, Zach, but I just you... I, I bought Go one ahead. game, and 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 uh, from everything I heard, I, I did my research, you know, asking people, and they just said yeah. Bosley played shot well. So, all right, well, there we go. Well, we'll need to figure. Maybe we'll figure that out this week if you can't get to a game. Um, Zach, what do you what do you uh, you went to where in the morning? I forget. You went to uh, Michigan, Michigan City. City. Yeah. yeah, how'd that go? Yeah, so I saw Riley Valpo in the first game and then Gary Westside and Elkhart a little bit in the second game, I think we could say. The, uh, the Riley Valpo, that, that would be one of my surprises as we get to talking about stuff like that later, but not a game that I saw. So what happened that game? Right, right. Uh, Riley, Riley controlled most of that game, actually. They, they played pretty well. Uh, they had uh, Blake Wesley was guarding Brees Walls. And Brees Walls is a get to the basket kind of point guard, and against uh, Blake, he was not able to do that. So that kind of yeah. shut them down. Uh, Mason Jones, I, I mean, I know everybody's loving him and hyped up about him, but I have ne- I've yet to see a game where he just is a force and goes to work and nobody can stop him. I've never seen well, he- a game on him like that. He's I understand he's a sophomore. I get yeah. that. But. And it's going to be one of those things. It's it's enticing. His skill set at his size at this age is, is pretty enticing where it goes from there. He really reminds me a lot of Matt Holba um, in, in terms of Holba probably a little bit more explosive at that age. Uh, Mason probably a better shooter. Eh, that may be a push there. Uh, Andershock, Trevor Andershock would have a better view of that, especially from the Holba perspective. But because – Hobo was at Chesterton for three years and then transferred down here to Garen. But, um, I mean, look, you can be, you can be really good at something and not be good enough for it yet at the varsity level or not be good enough for it to be. I mean, there's a lot of kids like that, especially their sophomore year that are, that are good enough or that are really good or promising at one thing, you know, or something on the court, but it just doesn't translate yet, you know, to, to varsity game action. So, yeah. But so he did, so you're saying he didn't play very well. No, he had four points, uh, four rebounds. Didn't do too much. Uh, Wesley had 14 in that one. Robles had 12. Isaiah Robinson had seven. Copley had nine. So role players were stepping up in that game. So pretty, for, yeah. So for, and pretty brilliant. And, and, mo- and if you've not seen Blake Wesley play, he really has the potential, and shows it often. At least shows it showed it often in the summer where he'd be the best defender on the court in the game. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he is he's a lockdown defender potential. Um, right. And at the at the college, it projects at the college level, too, as he starts to, you know, he'll have to get stronger for that. But just his length, his quickness. Yeah, definitely. Um, he, he's got a full package defensively. Yeah. And then the second game, uh, that was all Gary Westside. Uh, and I like Kamari Peterson. He played really well, shot the ball really well, did what he needed to do. Great passer, I really liked him in that second game. I'd, I'll be surprised I mean, if he doesn't add an offer this week. So not not much resistance from him for him though. I mean, in that one, yeah. uh, I know in the second game, I talked to Coach Daniel then last night after after Gary Westside beat him, and Riley was winning a lot of that game too. And just down the end, they they made a couple of mistakes and Peterson, and then Washington oh, made him for made the him night game. And, yeah, the night game. You yeah. didn't. You did not go to that game, though, right? No, no, I didn't go back to that game. What your What was your night game? Let's just do it. Yep, my night game was the St. Joe over Hammond game. Okay. So I was at South and Washington for that one. Uh, St. Joe was down thirteen at halftime. Looked like they were out of gas. Looked like Hammond was rolling. The Woods boys were doing awesome. Uh, Darrell Reed was doing his thing. Uh, no Abrams. Jay. Uh, Reggie was not playing. He was, he warmed up. He looked like he was 80 years old out there trying to do layups and lane slides and stuff. And 
I, I assume that hurt them. I, there was one time towards the end of the game and maybe it was overtime where, where I saw coach look back at him on the bench and then <laughs> didn't, he never went with him. So yeah, I, I guess he was wearing a knee brace in the first game and he didn't, he didn't wear one last night. So I, I'm assuming he wasn't anywhere close to being ready to play, which is why he never went out there. You get that, that desperation look every now and then when you're a coach and one of your key players is out, you look back to you like, are you sure you can't go? Yeah, no kidding. Um, but, but yeah, the, the second game, it was the Woods boys were in control the first half. Like I said, uh, Jordan is an outstanding passer. He had a, a double double and with, with assists, uh, Harold played well. I'm surprised he's not getting more attention than what he's been getting. Uh, Darrell Reed, we know, is going to Florida to play. Uh, we're Florida, Florida, uh, Alabama, Alabama State, A&M, Alabama A&M. A&M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I always get the second part wrong. Right. I think it's a, I can say it is isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Because it's that's the same group that that. Uh, isn't the coach uh, an NBA former NBA player now? Well, he also recruited Cam Alford out of Brownsburg. So oh, okay. That staff did. There's an Indiana connection there that I'm that I'm not going to be able to rattle off the top of my head. Any, but yeah, the second half is when St. Joe came out on fire, and that was that was because of Fuda and Terry. Actually, not really much of what Jr. was doing. They those two dudes just went off in the second half for. And the, for that's the Fuda I, that I've seen before. Yeah, down here for the fall league, but you know you don't get a lot of St. Joe's game. They they just were. Riley and St. Joe's, it's, it's funny because, I mean, obviously Riley got beat last night by Gary West, but played well to beat Adams last week. Riley and St. Joe's were the, the two teams that I was disappointed in the most at the, the Grace event earlier yeah. this year. Right. And, and, uh, and that's the St. Joe team that you saw that you typically do see around here. It's JR is carrying them, and he can. He can afford to against other talent around here and against a lot of the conference teams they play. Uh, but – I mean, in the game last night, they needed these dudes to step up, and and they did. And I I picked them actually to win that game. Yeah, you did. You did. You you picked them to win the regional. Yeah, and I gave you credit for it, and you shouldn't get any credit for it. <laughs> so you, by the way, I won the regional pick'em contest. Of course, I got twelve right. Of course, how I finished last in the sectional. So oh oh, well, it starts over then. It does. I finished. I got twelve right. Nick got eleven right. Zach got ten right, and and Gardner Eric got eight right. He's on dad duty. So so number so overall, it sounds like Baumgart's uh, out there. You got the overall standings at all? Because they don't start over. Come on, Zach, you're killing me. I can do the math. You got forty nine right so far out of the possible. There you go. um, Out of the possible seventy. That's not, then, that doesn't sound good, Jim. That doesn't, doesn't sound good, but no, no. See, I was trying to give you credit for being eleven out of sixteen. No, I had third. I had fifteen out of sixteen heading into the final finals last night. And then, well, I knew. Then, just talking about the Gary West thing, you know, I, I I knew Gary. I knew somebody had played well. I was guessing it was probably Kimari because I'd gotten a text from a a, a, a Division One mid major assistant. You know, he was like, "Hey, what's What's Gary West's coach's phone number? Yeah. Somebody plays well. Like I said, I'll be surprised he doesn't pick up another offer this week because I got a couple of phone calls or a couple of texts, texts, texts yesterday. Texas, yeah, Texas. About him. And then one of them led to a phone call. So, um, yeah, he's pretty good. I, I, uh, Ryan actually contacted me earlier this week about him for, it was for another coach though, for another yeah. D1 coach. Um, my, no surprise where I went. I was at Logansport yesterday. Um, That's what we I mean, want to hear about. I know, right? Yeah. I'm going to stick, start with Lafayette, Jeff, and Carol. Get your popcorn kick back here. And we were all living vicariously through you yesterday, Jim. We were kind of. I, yeah, I, don't, I only do that for a couple couple weeks a year. I used to do it a lot. In my dream, I went to Logansport, watched Carmel, and went to BW3s. There you go. BW Did that happen awesome. at all? Yeah, B Dubs was awesome. There's not a whole lot of options in Logansport. No, to no. to spend the whole you know to spend five five hours. I mean, that's you didn't the meet thing. Up with Shouse? You should have met up with Shouse. Well, I don't know. There's I didn't really have any great recommendations on where to go. Oh. So I just went to the B Dubs and and um, pulled up for five hours, and it was it was fine. I got big screen TVs in front of me, and 
got a chance to get some work done on the laptop. So, uh, Jeff and Carol, I, it, it went about as what you would, what you thought it would be. I mean, it would basically, it was Barnheiser getting his Jalen Jackson, getting his and, and just, um, I think at the end of it, Jeff has their secondary options are, are better, at least offensively. Um, and they are physically, they were physically stronger than Carol. They were physically, I thought, stronger than Carmel at, at times. Um, I know I tweeted at one point during the night game that they were tougher, or at least they were playing tougher. Uh, that was my impression of the first half of the, of the night game, not to jump ahead, but, but um, you know, Jeff's 1-3-1 in the half court and extended. They, they, they moved into it and moved out of it pretty well they, they they caused Carol a lot of issues and uh, they were I don't think Barnheiser had I mean well Barnheiser didn't have a typical Barnheiser game but the problem is is that when you're in a close game you know he's going to be able to get into a shot and and obviously that's something we're going to talk about too with the end of the night game but you know he's going to be able to get into a shot and there's a pretty damn good chance he's going to hit it. He's, he's just that good. He's going to haunt Indiana and Purdue um, at some point during his Northwestern career. He, he's, Early and often. Yeah, he he's what Indiana needs. Um, and look, you look at what those two schools brought in. I mean, Indiana brought in three wings. I would, I would take Geronimo over Barnheiser just from the sheer potential of what Geronimo can be. Uh, I, I would, I think Barnheiser is probably the mix of Leal and Galloway. You, you put Galloway's ball handling, Galloway's motor, uh, not that Leal doesn't play hard, but he's way more athletic than either of those. He, he is, he is more athletic. He's not way more athletic. He's somewhere athletically between Galloway, Galloway and Geronimo. Galloway's a pretty good athlete. Have you ever seen – did you see Geronimo go down the lane and just yam on somebody this year? I didn't. I didn't see Barnheiser do it in the Big Ten. <laughs> I saw, actually, Geronimo has dunked on somebody. Geronimo has got – does have a body on his body count this year, but he did it in the Big Ten. So, okay. yeah, I don't – yeah, Indiana raves about Geronimo. I'm not arguing with him on that. He pops when he's in the game. And – he shoots the ball as well as Leal. He's as athletic. He's a little bit more athletic than Galloway. I mean, he basically is a mix. Of I've those also players. heard. I've also heard Trace Jackson Davis hit shots at practice. Oh, he hits perimeter shots at practice. Well, that's a fine, and some of that stuff doesn't always get to translate. I mean, anyway. I mean, I know yeah. the guy that works him out. Him and Brunk both, and and I was told too that he would he would have a little bit more to his repertoire. Um, but sometimes shit's not game. You know, it's not game ready yet. So. Um, the Carmel Homestead game, I, I'm going to sit here and tell you it went about as what I, how I thought it would go. Uh, I, I didn't have any illusions that Carmel would shut down Lawyer or shut down Goody. Um, I did think it would be difficult, and I will tell you that Lawyer had 26, but a lot of what he did is not going to be what he does in the Big Ten, and, and that doesn't matter in real time. And, and he does deserve credit for putting 26 up on – you know, the combination of Goya and, and, and whack, uh, and, and Suter had him for a few, you know, a handful of possessions, but there were, there were twice where he went to the rim where he was blocked by his, his defender, not somebody rotating over. He just wasn't strong enough to really play through whack or Suter. He, he was, he was a tougher matchup for Goya. And I think at that point, they were just looking to make him put the ball on the floor. Well, I mean, I know they were. And that's what I was talking about earlier with the three-point shot. Homestead was five for 12 from the three-point line. Now, percentage-wise, you'd take that every time. But they're normally a very high-volume team. They're normally a team that that can really change the possession game because of the number of threes they hit. I think they average 23 threes a game in terms of attempts. And I think they average somewhere in the neighborhood of nine to 10 makes in a game. Um, so their five for 12 is, is half of their normal production. And, and, and ultimately that's Carmel's goals. They only hit one three in the first half 
And so you've kind of felt pretty good that, you know, karma was getting that aspect of it in, in check and, and, and they were pretty much even for even in terms of offensive rebounds. I don't have the stats in front of me, but, but um, that's what it ended up being. They, they really, there was no advantage for Jeff in the possession game. And that's at the end of it, it was just Carmel had more options. Carmel had more um, ways to score. Let's put it that way. But again, I think every podcast I've mentioned that I'm a motion snob. So love watching them play and, and love watching how they can, how they can work to get a great shot. And, um, and there's not a whole lot, a lot of teams can do about it until they play Lafayette Jeff. <laughs> you know, Nick, you talked about last week that you, you mentioned that Jeff was like lock. They, they got, they could lock teams down. Now I'll give you credit on one thing. They were much better man-to-man defensively than I've, than I've seen. Uh, I, I would say that Carmel missed a lot of cuts in the first half. Uh, there was probably some over dribbling on their part. Uh, they, they got to where they wanted to go on penetration for the most part, but then they struggled with adjusting to the help. And that was disappointing from a Carmel perspective, the number of deflections, the number of steals, the number of, I mean, Carmel had eight turnovers in the first half. They had five the whole game against Homestead. They cleaned it up a little bit in the second half. They still had four turnovers, but, but there were still a lot of defection or deflections and, and, Jacob Collicott and as well as Barnheiser were the two biggest reasons for that. Their activity on defense off the ball. There were, I bet if they go back and watch tape, there'll be situations where Carmel will, some of those kids would probably kick themselves for missing this kick out here, that read there. Um, but, you know, that's, it's hard to judge in real time. You know, those guys are out there playing, they're, they're trying to make plays. And it's, it's a credit to Collicott and Barnheiser for just how active they were. They were active and didn't get beat. They didn't get beat on really jamming the lane off the ball. And, you know, and it, really, it really threw Carmel off. Uh, they were able to get a couple of tr- uh, turnovers uh, on their 1-3-1 when they would switch up. Carmel didn't necessarily take a ton of advantage of that, although I did – so, you know, basically before the game talked about Leary and Orm, especially in regards to the corner three, thinking that would be, you know, where Carmel could find some easier looks. And it, it did happen that way. Leary hit one, Orm hit three, and Waddell hit one. So the corner three was a big part of Carmel's, a big part of Carmel's game. And, and again, Lafayette Jeff is a high volume three point shooting team. And they did not get to that volume, not even close. They were five for 16. Carmel was six for whatever. Um, so in that instance, oh wait, Carmel was maybe five for 12. So all of Carmel's threes were from the corner? Yes, they were. Wow. Now, unless I missed a Waddell three, because like I said, Leary hit one um, and then Orm hit three. I think that I was a it was a little hyperbole when I said they were locked down. I don't think you, that... yeah you you backed off of it a little bit. I I just never seen them play but, man. I had never seen them play man effectively. And then you look at some of the look they've got some bad losses, man. Um, I say some they got two losses, but but they have some bad scores, and you know and that and that plays into. It. I guarantee you, defensively, they probably played the best game they played all year. I I, I would have to think they they feel that way. I just think I think that's that's when I talk to Brooke Barnheiser, he's always like, you know, people don't think we're as good as we are defensively. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, their stats bear it out. I mean, you can go back and look at the scores of their game. Maybe, you know, maybe in some of their better, you know, against some of their better competition. You know, if they play to the level of their competition, that's not a compliment. Right. That's never a compliment. So, if his point is, yeah, against McCutcheon, we really, we really, you know, we're focused in and locked down. Okay, great. Now, it, as these games get more important, the competition presumably gets tougher. So then, you know, if that's the way it is, is as long as you are consistent with it, because sometimes teams that are as good as play to the level of their competition, 
it breaks down at the most inconvenient time. Now, defensively, they did not break down yesterday. They were really good. I would be shocked if that wasn't, in their mind, their best defensive performance of the year, if they didn't feel that way. It's when you want it. It, it, well, yeah, this one, then the next one, and the one after that. Opportune uh, time to play, but, you know, karma was just a, another level. Well, I mean, look, we we had eight fouls in the first half. All all eight fouls were on three kids. Uh, three of them were on Leary. So that's fine. Um, he's not going to get he, – he's not going to get the kind of time that, war, you know, that warrants – worrying about foul trouble uh Suter picked up his third on what i thought was at best a no call if nothing else barnheiser just plowed right into him um you know the legal guarding position thing is is fine when it's when you're initiating contact or you know when you are um stationary but Suter's going backwards and Barnheiser just plows right through him. Should have been no call, you know. Now, that would have been a Barnheiser basket. They called the foul out on the floor and didn't give Barnheiser the basket. So it wouldn't have really changed. The only thing it would have changed was it would have just been Suter would have had two fouls instead of three. So it really didn't impact the game. Um, but early going, Suter was impressive. Waddell was good the whole game. Uh, Barnheiser was good, but he was having a hard time getting in, you know, getting any clean looks. Everything he got yesterday was, was off a, off a dribble penetration or off of rhythm. What I love about Barnheiser at this level is, is he, he can post, he'll post pot, you know, he'll post good matchups for him. And I, you know, the end of the game, I mean, Carmel's struggling Lafayette, Jeff missed some free throws. That's going to leave a mark. Um, Carmel with a you know with great you know step up hit two free throws take the lead they're up by one the most disciplined defense in the state against one of the best scorers in the state you really from a pure basketball perspective could not have had a much better scenario and then Barnheiser takes his man in the paint and I don't I don't remember who helped Suter was guarding him Collicott was wide open yeah, he's about two seconds too late on that pass. I saw, wasn't he? And there were a couple of, well, maybe, you know what? Yeah, there were a couple of possessions earlier where Carmel actually went into a 1-3-1. And really, uh, Joya over-rotated a couple times and left Collicott wide open at the rim. And Carmel was lucky that, that they didn't see him. Um, now, in, in Jeff's defense, they probably were trying to run some clock, but you know, not feeling like they need to be too aggressive and, and certainly not wanting to, I mean, that's still a pretty long pass. I don't care how open you are. But Barnheiser, I've had some people message me, say Barnheiser should have shot it, blah, blah, blah. It's like the whole LeBron, the whole LeBron thing. I'm telling you right now, Barnheiser, I talked about it before the game or tweeted about it before the game. He is really, he's got really good vision and he is an unselfish kid. Sometimes the ball does stick in his hands, especially above the free throw line really only above the free throw line. But when he starts penetrating, he, he'll he make the play that he sees. And I think he sees a lot of them. Collicott was wide open. Barnheiser absolutely positively made the better decision. And out of nowhere, Goya pops up and deflects the ball. And I was like, where the heck did he come from? It was, it was tremendous play by him. I mean, he absolutely saved the game. I mean, I guess there's a version where Collicott doesn't make the catch or doesn't finish the layup. And then Wack goes up and secures the loose ball, and it's over. <clears throat> and I felt bad for Collicott. He played a tremendous game. He only got credit for three steals and one block, I'm telling you. He had anywhere from six to eight deflections that led to either Carmel being whatever they were trying to do to get blown up or that led to someone else getting a steal or a rebound. He was, he was really good defensively and a little bit springier. He did dunk twice in warmups. The referees weren't on the floor yet. I'm not sure what that was about. I'm sure if they were on the floor, he wouldn't have done that. Um, Which is a but, terrible rule, by the way. Well, yeah, I guess I don't. 
I mean, if we're playing with rims that are about ready to fall off the, the backboard, <laughs> it's got yeah. problems here, folks. Underst- yeah, understandable there, but it, it is the rule. I don't know why why it's a rule. I don't know why it's di- – I don't know. But he was doing it. No big deal. But the referees were on the floor. Um, but I was really impressed with, with Collicott. Um, he probably didn't score – well, I don't know that he averages a ton. He is definitely the third option. Um, on Zach's texting me something. Sent you the video that last. Oh part. yeah. I mean, I I'll watch it later. I don't. We don't need to relive it visually. We can. I've already done it verbally. <laughs> and Goya Joya struggled all for for what Joya really is. You, it's impossible to get under his. Almost impossible to get under his skin. It's almost impossible. There's every now and then he gets caught in a situation where he's he's stuck because of size drives baseline or gets trapped. And that happened a couple times yesterday, but there were some times yesterday he was bullied by Collicott just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, he got downhill a lot and there would be time. I mean, he had, four, he had four turnovers, which is not very, it's very unusual for him. And Collicott really bothered him. And then just at the end, and maybe Goya was maybe Joya was guarding him, and I just wasn't paying attention. Maybe he overhelped, and because I thought Suter was in a good position to defend the shot, even though I thought for sure Barnheiser was going to lift, and maybe Joya was was helping and recovering. But man, his whatever he did, whatever he rotated, recovered, whatever. It, I mean, it, it was brilliant. It saved it, and. Um, He'd probably tell you he didn't play that great of a game, but at the end of it, he made the game winning, the game saving play. So, um, any surprises or any, if you guys have anything about that game, I don't, you can say something, but. Uh, wasn't the, what was the shit? Park Heritage was probably the surprise, right? Oh, yeah. Um, to me, no, I think the surprise was how easily Shenandoah beats Covenant Christian, then turns wow. around and struggles against Park Heritage like they did. I mean, I know at one point Park Heritage was up 20 to 5, and then Shenandoah, of course, came back, and then Park Heritage stretched it out again. Just surprised that, first of all, surprised Shenandoah won't, like I said, beat Covenant by 30. And then surprised they, they just that Park Heritage really controlled the whole game. Um, Maybe Southwood winning also is probably a surprise. Yeah, just because none of us picked them. It's funny, Southwood yeah. was has been the team that's benefited from Central – was when Central Catholic was in 2A. And then Southwood's the one that got them. Um, 1A, I think both won according to plan – Martinsville, yeah, Bar-Reeve, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I meant to say Lagodi, Bar-Reeve, Martinsville, Tinley, Southwestern Shelbyville had them down early, and then, of course, they fought back and, and won, uh, Tinley did, Cowts kind of went as planned, right? Yeah. We were sort of teetering they, on, they, they, try- they, yeah, they struggled with Fremont the first game, though. Uh, Couts did, yeah. Yep. I don't know mm-hmm. much about Fremont. They, um, they're young. Nick called the Southridge. Nick was the only one that got the Southridge one right. No, Nick, you picked Bar Reeve. Wait, different. That's two A. That's two A. Where am I? Oh, we all picked Linton. So Nick did not get Southridge right. No, I just said it's setting up for. Her. I, I said my final <laughs> my final stance was, hey, I don't want Linton all, all over my butt for the next right. few days. I would rather just you know go with Southridge. They're, it's a much smaller community, not as not as hostile. I mean, it's easy to say when we get picks right that hey, it went sort of according to plan. I I know Northwood feels pretty frosty about how their game ended against Leo in the championship game last night. Why? Uh, I'm sure it has something to do with the referee. Yeah, there was a, they they called the foul on the floor, and the kid made a layup, and they thought it was should have been a continuation play. Oh, yeah, the like, high school needs they really high school. We need to get if you pick your dribble up to shoot like a layup. I'm not talking about like faking some jump shot. 
But if you're if you're driving to the basket and you you pick your uh, you pick your dribble up, you're gathering to go up for the layup. That should just be if that's your last dribble. That should be a basket or a shot attempt, or you know credit for getting free throws because I don't know it, what else are you doing? Passing the ball. Well, that's fine too. And if they, you know what? And if instead of the shot, you know, if in, if instead of the shot, it's a it's a pass, then no free throws. I mean, I'm okay with uh, the continuation. I'm just saying that you could be passing yeah. the ball. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well, but they would know that. Um, you know, they would know that in real time. I'm just saying that the times the kids go up for the shot, I'm visualizing. I'm showing here's, these guys here on Zoom. Here's a here's a stat for you, Jim. You don't ever often hear, uh, but Linton had more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds. That's how really? well that's how well Southwestern shot the ball. Like these, yeah, that's a good stat. Uh, Silver Creek probably, I'm sure the players and the fans were probably surprised that Connorsville hung with them. I guarantee you the coaching staff was not surprised. If, if there's a if there's a defense that's as disciplined as Carmel's, it's going to be anything that Kerry Brown teaches. It's just how that goes, and they don't have a lot of offensive weapons at Connersville. So you know their games are traditional or typically in the the 30s and 40s. Now they got a couple of kids coming up that can really shoot it. Um, but you know even when he's got talent, like a lot of talent, like depth, he's usually they're usually playing in the 50s down there. Garen Catholic kind of went as planned, right? Yeah, that I was think, the one. That was the. Did we not think that people, was the most open? I took Greencastle, yeah, but I think we weren't surprised about Garen. Like Beach Grove, I thought they'd be in the final game. Not that not that Northview couldn't beat them. Northview heard that podcast. They said, did they? Well, South Bend St. Joe may have heard it. That to me is the the second biggest surprise is them beating Hammond. Right, um, but again, right. I've just not seen anybody else play well i didn't see anybody else play well for them the last two years during a school game other than jr um and and those like i said some of those kids are kids that i see that i like that have played well down here when i've seen or even when i see them in the summer very much like them i just don't know what the what the difference has been i think luke brown heard you <laughs> no there's no Luke Brown slander here that he, they, he knows. I, I hope like not. Him. I hope well, not. It's not his fault. People think that he should be a high major. It's a no brainer. It's not his fault that people are like, yeah, we're even, he probably won't even have to finish four years of high school before he goes to pro. I'm like, no, <laughs> he's really good. It's, it's okay to say a kid, you know, is a Mac level player. It's that's not an insult. I think Gardner was, he, he was the one that was, wasn't he big on Rossville or something? I don't know. Wapahani. He loves Wapahani. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I was wrong about them with the Winchester deal during the sectional. And I was too. I was too. He obviously picked Ross. I mean, Gardner picked Rossville. You know, look, Rossville's had always been a team in the past that would have six or seven losses, but you knew they were really good, especially in the class basketball area. You knew they were really good because they usually played a lot of the top, the bigger schools in the area. They, they don't do that anymore. Now there are some of the teams in their schedule that are having really good years, so they may have been a little bit more prepared, competition-wise, than Rochester. I don't know how oh, much yeah. their schedules, if at all, overlap, <clears throat> but I don't think I'm surprised that Ross. I may be surprised that they beat Ross. That Rossville beat Rochester by 17. But, but I'm Park not Heritage. The Park Heritage score just blows me away. Just, yeah, the the score does not not that they won, but yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, but Christian Johnson's, he's really he's he's good. He's one of the better sophomore point guards in the state. I don't know much about his older brother or any of the other personnel they have, but I know he's good. And and I get to see Couts play this week, so that's where's Park Heritage? It's Rockville. It's a uh, it's it's a it's a consolidation of Rockville and Riverton Park, the two high schools in Park County. So if uh, you ever heard of Raccoon Lake, yeah, which is over kind of near Illinois, right? It is. Yeah, it's 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 east no, of just, well, the, the school is east of 41, where 41 is its farthest east, if that makes sense. Which is which is weird because I taught at Greenfield Central, so I know exactly where Greenfield Central is. How, how do they get in that 
regional at Greenfield well, it's just, Central. It's just class basketball. It's just it's just you get to a point, and then maybe there's a better That's place a for yeah, maybe there's a better place for those teams to play. But Northwood's playing. I mean, there's just, yeah, just class like basketball. Newcastle, yeah, yeah, class basketball creates some travel issues. Created it when I was when we were coaching at Eminence. I guess Silver Creek at Washington's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's south. I mean, just there's more variables that aren't, you know, when the only consideration back in the day was geography. Now you have class and geography. You're you're dividing the state into into you're dividing the state four ways before you divide it into quarters. Yeah. So that's just what you get. Bigger schools there in central Indiana too. You know, I don't know. Well, yeah, certainly. You know, people complain about Indy all being in sectional 10 or sectional 12, you know, depending on the, you know, depending on the year. They're like, well, you know what? They complained when they had to go out of the county to play a sectional. Why do we have to go to Carmel? Why do we have to go to Noblesville? Why do we have to go to Anderson for the regional? Like, all right, fine. Here, you're all in the same place now. Happy? No. Why do we have to play each other? Well, okay, great. <laughs> Let's just have 96 classes of four teams and we'll just call it a day. Um, and everybody gets a trophy. We could go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Ninety-six classes of four teams. I like that. I saw one theory when it, I don't want to litigate class basketball again because it's been fun. I've enjoyed some of the stuff, but I hated the the inception of it. But I remember somebody said, "Everybody from now on, the loot the team that loses advances." So that way, everybody ends on a win, except for one team. And the team that loses in the state championship game gets a free trip to Disney World. That way, everybody's happy. Everybody gets to win their last game except for one team. I thought that was pretty brilliant. Didn't make much sense, but I thought it was pretty brilliant. So, Makes no sense. Yes. None at all. Any other surprises? <laughs> I mean, I felt pretty comfortable about Bloomington South. I was a little surprised Wrights beat Center Grove, but then my first question was, so Deese must be having a good game. And the answer was yes. Um. Plainfield coming out early on Lawrence North didn't surprise me. Um, I don't know. Everything else kind of went. I mean, really, I think we picked regionals pretty good, the three of us. Gardner Busco, not so much. Busco <laughs> ended up Busco played Blackout pretty tough in that first game. Did they? Yeah. It was a nine point game, right? Yeah, but it was closer than that most of the game. Was and it? Landon Jordan fouled out, so then first was able to go to work after that. Well, we'll do – so when this thing gets published, it'll still be Monday morning. We'll do – we're going to try and do semi-state preview Wednesday night or Wednesday afternoon as close to 4 p.m. as possible. But it can go later for me. I, I'm not as tied to that time as I was like the other day. Uh, but anybody else got anything? We, we'll have one last thing we say. I mean, I already know Nick's answer to this, but we'll have one last thing before we got – anybody got anything else on the games? Nope. No, sir. Nick, who was who your best performer of the teams you saw this of the games you saw it yesterday? Number 23, Southridge High School, Colson Montgomery. There we go. Sound like Garrett. Um, who's the dude from Saturday Night Live? <laughs> so you sound like the original. There you go. Yeah, the I, ah, daggone it. I can't remember his name. Um, Indiana All Star, Colson Montgomery. Zach, who was your best performer of the, the performance that you saw? Gosh, I saw – I mean, I already mentioned Kamari. I mean, and then I'm going to put Feud and Will Terry together and say they were the they were the force that I saw play against Hammond and just yeah. dominated them second half. I'm going with Barnheiser. thought he was impressive. Um Waddell had a heck of a had a heck of a championship game, and and I thought Charlie Williams played his best game of the year in the morning game, which uh, is surprising to me. Well, I mean, I mean, it's a good surprising, but like, I mean, what just, a time to step up and play, right? It is, and you know, and 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 Homestead had more size than Jeff. I was surprised. There were some things that Carmel normally does to get him or. To get him touches in the post, to get Waddell and Suter opportunities to at least cut through the post that they didn't do against Jeff. Curi- I'm sort of curious why. 
Um, but maybe they thought Jeff would use a lot more zone and, they, and then they just didn't go back to it. I don't know. But Williams was really good in the morning game and, and then struggled in the evening game offensively. And, and Waddell just, again, some of the same phone calls or some of the same communication I was, I was getting on, um, um, well, who were we talking about earlier? I was getting on, uh, oh, Kimari, Peterson. Kimari. Uh, same questions were for Waddell too. So hopefully that opens some things up for him. Which, listen, before we get out of here, can I, can you clear something up for me? Just in your mind, what do you think? What level? I mean, Brian Waddell can play mid, he's a, mid-division he's a mid-major. one. He's a mid-major, no question. He's a mid-major three. He's Thank a mid-major you. three. And teams that are – I wrote a po- – I tweeted yesterday about Suter. But before I tweeted it, I made sure I had 2022 to it. I didn't want to shortchange Waddell or anybody to think that I wasn't that I was shortchanging Waddell. Um, yeah, to me, it's a no-brainer. He's look; he'll have to get stronger. Um, he won't be the best defender at that level. But you know, there were times yesterday where he was on Barnheiser and his length bothered him. Um, and he uh, he he's but he is pretty complete offensively especially when you consider his movement with purpose off the ball he's extremely missed a dunk last night you just look at little things and and i'm sure jeff can go back and find this play that play and it ends up evening out but um that was as aggressive as i seen waddell just hunting baskets he was he was good i barnheiser to me gets give him a little bit of the nod because he's also the shot creator for others and, and give him a lot of credit for making the pass that he did at the end of the game. He saw it and he made it. And if he'd have shot it, it would have been a, I would have thought it would have been a good shot. Wouldn't have had a problem with it whatsoever. He just, he, he saw the guy and Joya stepped up and, and I mean, I don't know, at this point I'm repeating myself, but yeah, Barnheiser was my best performer of the day of the games I saw. So. Well, unless any, we got anything else, I guess that's it. We'll look forward to – we are going to – I'll record the recruiting stuff later. We'll put it at the beginning. So those who've, who have listened to this will have already heard that. And um, other than that, you guys got anything? Nope. Nick? No, thanks for having me. Good luck on jury duty this week. Remember, it's beyond reasonable doubt. It's not oh, yeah. whether you think he looks guilty. Yeah, I've analyzed my que- my answers to my questions. I know exactly the, what got me. So, be the guy who like be the last holdout guy. Well, I'll tell you the truth. I'm the alternate. <laughs> Juries are really weird places, they are, man. They're they're like, they're I'm sure a lot of us have, that are li- listening. This, this one lady has already already uh, kind of moved toward the four. She wants to run for the uh, four person job. I'm just I'm thinking <laughs> this is kind of a power trip thing. It's kind of weird. So you're still hearing evidence? That's funny. We should have a podcast on this. Can't talk course. about it, Jim. Can't talk about it. All right. Not till after the trial. Not till after the trial. All right, that's fair. All right. Uh, well, those who listen every week, we appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> give us a rating and review, and, and we'll look forward to talking to you guys later in the week when we do our semi-state preview podcast. Yeah.